Welcome back for another helping of oysters, clams, and cockles, bringing you the best TV shows and movies weekly in an easily digestible podcast packed with laughs by myself, Ross Bolin, and my dear friend, Mr. Barrett Dudley. Barrett, we have officially made it to the holiday season. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving. That is correct, sir. Um, and you, you're hosting this year. You're doing big boy Thanksgiving. I'm hosting. This has been a, oh man, it's a hectic few days. The shitty part about, about, uh, about weeks like this, you know, when you have something like, like a Thanksgiving that you have to get ready for is that all the other stuff still exists for Monday through Wednesday. Like you still have to feed yourself. You know what I mean? That doesn't mm. that does the 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 need for meals does not go away. The need to uh, to shower does not uh, simply evaporate, and so sure. it's just been really really quite a crush to um to get all to squeeze all these podcasts into three days and to also uh, do my job and then to also do one million things around the house. So. Um, are you Ho- preparing a bird? Hopefully it all comes together. Uh, yeah, the bird is thawing in the refrigerator as we speak. Um, wow. I may have to take a look at it. That's This is very important if you've, if you've never cooked a turkey, which I have not. See, yeah, they, they I say that have. They say that the, th- that the most important thing is to make sure that you get this, that you get the bird thawed. You don't want a, you don't want a frozen turkey. You don't want to pull out a frozen turkey on Thanksgiving and then say, well, here we go. Um, yeah. so, so we've got, got a lot of stuff happening, got a lot of stuff going on and, um, but yes, yes. Tomorrow's also my birthday. How's that? You were born on Thanksgiving. I would, well, so Thanksgiving. You know what, Barrett? I'm thankful for your birth. Thanksgiving I mean. changes around because it's, uh, it's a, you know, it's the third Thursday of November rather than, or the fourth Thursday. I can't remember which I never do. It's the fourth. So, um. So yeah, wait, do so you my ever? Birthday, do you, my wait, birthday is, okay, so my birthday is sometimes on Thanksgiving. Is this, how many times has this occurred where you're a Thanksgiving birthday guy though? Because it's obviously not every year. Um, like a handful? I, yeah, like three or four, I think. Okay, how do you feel about that? You feel like the turkey's taking your shine? Um, the turkey takes my shine regardless of of which day my birthday actually falls on. Um, okay, you know, you want to talk about a, a, a first world problem is it's just uh-huh. that like I, I basically never got like a great birthday party or a great birthday celebration um while I, when i was at, of age to have fun birthday celebrations because because every, it was smack dab in the middle of thanksgiving right week. so so like you know and throughout college like everybody was already home right um and and then after you know basically post being 21 nobody's around for your for your birthday you don't you don't really get to celebrate no. so um yeah. you know thanksgiving has already always taken the shine anyway and that's okay that's okay it's it, it's it's a complicated it's, holiday for you clearly it's fine i love thanksgiving i i really do <laughs> uh well i woke up with a sinus infection or some shit sneezing and coughing my little face off so bear with us today as i am recording from the safety of my home barrett is up in the studio obviously with I, I don't think I have the Rona or anything like that, uh, the COVID, whatever you want to call it, because I've got too much snot in my face hole. Yeah, now, as, which as I'm a result, sure is exactly what result, everybody wanted to hear. It, this sounds like, it. you know what this sounds like? It, what? it sounds like um, we are in the movie uh, pod favorite Three Ninjas, and we're doing the tin can yeah. to talk to each other. That's how yeah, you that's sound in my, in my headphones right now. Oh, that's very unpleasant. Hopefully I sound 
you know, at least at least a small bit better than that on the actual recording. <laughs> I'm confident that I will. Uh, this episode of OCC is brought to you by Echelon. By the way, I'm back on the Ross Fit grind, trying to come out of this mess a year, mess of a year harder, better, faster, stronger, like 2007 Kanye West. And when it comes to getting or staying in shape, nothing feels as good as that feeling of accomplishment of hitting your fitness goals and feeling great about yourself. And Echelon can get you there. Echelon offers the next generation of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines, and their all-new Stride Smart treadmill. No matter what your favorite fitness activity, Echelon gives you a fun and challenging workout from the comfort of your home. Their world-class instructors will motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes always available when you need them. And unlike their competitors many of which you may have heard of, Echelon is actually affordable for everyone. And one membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time. Right now, you can get any Echelon fitness equipment at home for 30 days when you go to echelonfit.com slash dragon. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash dragon to try any Echelon fitness equipment at home for 30 days. Go get you some, close out 2020 strong, and or buy your family member uh, or friend that needs a little fitness uh, boost in their life in Echelon by going to echelonfit.com slash dragon. There you go. How about that? Now, Barrett, would you like to start out with some tidbits and such today? Ross, I got so many tiggle bitties that, that I could spend <laughs> the next hour, uh, you know, not even talking about a single show. So you just tell me, you just tell me when to stop, okay? Okay, I can do that. All right. Because I don't, I, what are we, t- did you finish Queen's Gambit? Nope, I've got one episode left. Let's okay. start there. Let's start right there. Queen's okay. Gambit. I've still got the finale. We okay? we actually we, we can wrap up Queen's Gambit today, I think, without really discussing the finale, unless you just want to wait. But uh, I, I mean, th- I, I want to wait and see it. I want to see the finale. There's really not a lot wanna... to say except for that the show was was pretty spectacular. Was, uh, look, I have no doubt that the finale does not um, tank the show. I'm assuming that it ends on a on a relatively at least decent note based on the things I've seen online and read reviews wise in terms of Queen's Gambit. Yeah, I don't think uh, it's obviously... a, I don't think it's a major spoiler to say that like the show ends well. It and and to to have thought otherwise I, I think would mean that you weren't paying very close attention. I mean it's a it's a I do not know I mean, I guess let me put it this way. Um there have been multiple points in this last couple episodes where I was obviously worried for our main character's life. Sure. Uh, I, I, I still am not like, I, I, you know, again, I'm able to go off basically what I've seen on the internet and, and I'm confident that the show ends on a positive note based on that. But, and I mean that from the, from like the standpoint of a living main character. And uh, I'm not worried about it. I'm, I'm very excited. But I do not want to like close the chapter on Queen's Gambit until I've seen the finale. And let me tell you up front what it is that sucked me in since we last spoke. Uh, I have watched all five episodes of The Undoing. I watched episode five last night. It is fucking spectacular. Um, we we spoke on the sort of premise of the show, you know, what, a few weeks ago for the first time. We've touched on it here and there since. It's kind of blown up over the past couple weeks in particular. And uh, it's great. It's on HBO. It's starring Hugh Grant and... Uh, Oh my God! What is her name? Nicole Kidman. My mind right now. Nicole Kidman. Thank you. And it, uh, honestly, it has like. Have you watched any of this yet? So, um, real quick, it, five, is is it total five episodes? No, six episodes total. Okay, and the sixth one comes out this Sunday. That is correct. Okay, gotcha. Um, so no, I have not watched any. I was actually I, I I've seen all of the buzz. I've seen people yelling at us to watch the show. 
Um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about uh, th- th- this is actually let's just keep the conversation right here. We'll actually move um, the, the such and the bits and the tid to the second half of the show today. Um, do that. So because I, I, I want to talk about these two shows kind of at the at, at the same time for uh, for for a couple of reasons. Um, so I, I, I saw all the, the hubbub, basically, and it, it had reached a fever pitch to where I'm finally acquiescing and I'm saying, OK, the show is next up on my list. I will I, I will get this in. And I will. We will talk about it. I was going to watch the first episode last night, but then, uh, you know, I forgot it was Tuesday. That was it was Bachelorette night. So I had to watch Bachelorette instead. Um, oh, sad. Yeah, but but I will. Well, uh, this is a show that I'll I'll start this weekend, especially now having uh, finished Queen's Gambit. Um, the, what I wanted to talk about was, you know, it, it's it's funny the different levels that these shows have to to how they how they reach you, to how they end up like on your list and 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 inevitably on your TV screen or not on your TV yeah. screen, right? And so you uh, the, you have Queen's Gambit. Which is kind of like the overnight celebrity, I'll call it. It like it you're it's not really on your radar from like a preview standpoint or a trailer standpoint or a hype standpoint. You're not right. super familiar with any of the the there's no big name actors or or actresses or directors tied to it, right? The showrunner is not like somebody that did some heritage golden era drama. Like it just is suddenly there. The internet is ablaze with chatter about it. Reviews are pouring out about how amazing it is. Everybody's already seen it somehow, even though you haven't, or that's the way it feels. And it just like immediately leapfrogs anything that you were previously thinking about and is just like, is, is, is the new show. Yes. So that's, that's one, that's one thing that can happen. And then there are shows like The Undoing, um, where it takes a little bit longer it's 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 um it's a David E. Kelly show, so it's got it's got two huge A list movie stars attached to it. There were plenty of trailers and 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 you know hype built from HBO from from early scenes and putting it in front of their other popular shows. Uh, the the this one got torpedoed a little bit for me in the beginning because two I I heard middling reviews from two critics that I gen- that I usually agree with. So okay. that, that's that is first and foremost what happened here for me on the undoing is that right. like the sources that I gen- that generally like my ears perk up when they say that something is either good or not good kind of lumped this one to the into the not good category. Really? Yeah. Who can I ask who who it was? I'm I'm I got guesses but uh, the the big one is Alan Seppenwall. Oh really? Okay, I don't know who that is. Yeah, um, and and so I, I've not seen if he if he kind of came back around to it or if that was a, a a review that was only based on one or two episodes. Um, but but the gen the general gist of of that idea was that this is kind of a run of the mill story that we've seen over and over again, and that the real draw is that they put two a listers in it. But the two A-listers are just kind of playing versions of themselves and that there wasn't a lot of like novelty or newness or or like anything that really sucked you in beyond it just being like a baseline story that we've seen before now with big name actors. 
Yeah, I can see why this one is um, incredibly easy for the haters to pile on because there is absolutely nothing in terms of originality with uh, with the undoing through five episodes of the six that I haven't seen before. That being said, I have never seen it presented in in such a way that, like you said, it was... I mean, dude, it is engrossing. It has completely sucked me in. And there are a ton of similarities to things like Big Little Lies. You mentioned this is a David E. Kelly thing. Obviously, David E. Kelly did Big Little Lies. He did The Practice, Ali McBeal, Boston Legal. Uh, he's done a ton of different things over the years. He's one of the few screenwriters to have created shows that have aired on ABC, CBS, Fox, and NBC. Um, this, he's a very practiced screenwriter and he he kind of tackles an arena that we've seen hit over and over and over recently which is what um infidelity leading to drama basically and no that is not a new space but the way this show unfolds it i mean at no point has it been ruined for me by by drawing similarities from elsewhere Mm -hmm. it 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 does make it feel less spectacular than perhaps it would if this didn't feel so rehashed. But the way they, the way they've done it, um, and the the star power in this one, and for me, it, like one of the big things is Hugh Grant, dude. The last time I saw Hugh Grant in something meaningful was like over ten years ago. You know, yeah, yeah. I was a really long time ago. Hugh Grant was like a, a the dude in the late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, and and it, um, it, even though Hugh Grant, um. You know, always kind of maintains a little, that that Hugh Grantness. He, it's it's hard to yeah. get rid of that. He's got a, such a distinct voice and and kind of personality. This is a little bit of a turn for him, right? Because he isn't he doesn't he play like a p- potentially darker character? Um, I think it's a a very, it's definitely the most complicated character I've seen him play. Yeah, in yeah. terms of um, yeah, it's it's not your classic Hugh Grant role where he's just the really good guy who's uh, you know. Like helping out with like he lost his wife and his kid needs a dad or whatever. I don't fucking know. There's too many Hugh Grant movies. Um, but the undo like I would I would uh, I would feel bad if you allowed a couple of critics to to keep you away from this one. Well, um, so because so, it's very well acted is the thing. Yeah, and the, and the, the second half of of this story, the way that the show will will make its way uh, onto my television screen here. Is that after that initial uh, that initial that that initial rebuff by yeah. a, a, you know a couple of online critics that I pay attention to? I have since heard from many many members of the Clam Fam about how much they're enjoying this show, and then on top of that, people I know are watching the show and telling me to watch it, which is like the additional level. It's like because it's that that's always it, like it's great when there's internet talk and buzz about a show that's great but there's nothing better than people that you know personally and you are friends with and that you talk to on a regular basis if they're watching it too that's it's it's the classic word of mouth like what you know what's more likely to send you to a restaurant like a decent yelp review or one of your best friends saying this place was amazing you have to go Right. Exactly. So, the, so, the people that I trust most are the ones that always get me across the finish line when it comes to a show like this. And and you spoke on sort of like the way they emerge onto your radar first, right? And it is what you said. It's usually the internet for me. I'll see some buzz or, or whatever, see a tweet or two or an Instagram. But that's not going to get me through the door. 
there's got to be some word of mouth involved. There's got to be somebody inevitably who I know and trust telling me, you got to watch this. And just like with the Queen's Gambit, you know, it was one where I saw a ton of online buzz. Um, it took me a couple weeks after that, though, before somebody told me that I trusted, you got to watch this. Then I did. Now I've got one left. This is the exact same circumstances with The Undoing. I kept seeing chatter, chitter and chatter. All right. And then this is a realm, several realms, really. HBO 1, Infidelity 2, Hot People 3. I'm interested in all these things. Mm-hmm. I like these things. I like these stories, these kinds of stories. Um, they're dramatic. They've got all these different elements, love, sex, uh, deception, um, the legal side and, and the courts and the justice system. And like, I love that shit, man. I realize we're doing this over and over and over and over in a whole bunch of different shows and kind of exploring the same territories. But if you hit me with Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant and Donald Sutherland and, uh, Matilda de Anelis, the, the, the chick who I, I believe, where is she from originally? Let me check this out. She is uh, an Italian actress. Um, who is one of the main characters in the show this is obviously not well known. I mean, this thing is, is very, very well done. And it is, uh, for whatever reason, just really, it's like, it's, it's like one of the things about it that's appealing is that it's not too dangerous. It's not so unexplored that it's so stressful that like, you're like, okay, I get it. This is a little, uh, salacious affair situation with some complicated shit stacked on top which is not again not a new concept and it's it's incredibly enjoyable um again i don't know what it is about these two in particular but nicole kidman and hugh grant both together and separately in this show are unbelievably powerful on screen and they're the little the kid that plays their child um noah jupe jupe whatever j-u-p-e is his last name he's awesome as a kid actor and the show has been incredible. Like I've I've been blown away by um, how enjoyable it's been on ep- from episode to episode. And they're really good with the twist spirit. Mm-hmm. So like you get an episode and you're like, ah, oh, I think I have a feel for what's going on here. And then right, guess what? right. That episode ends with a twist, and then that happens again on the next one, and again on the next one, and again on the next one, and again on the next one. And by the fifth episode, you're like, what the hell is happening? And I mean, you genuinely go into the finale with several different ideas for how this all could have occurred, the things you've seen over the first five episodes, but you don't know what's going to happen. I have no clue what's going to happen. So, or who is responsible for any of the things we've seen in the first five. So, well, exciting show, one that's yeah, definitely paid off. And Ross, I love a good twist, especially when it's in a martini. hey Ha-ha! Ha, ha. Martini! Yeah. Okay, um, uh, yeah, I had to throw that one in there. And uh, yeah, so I, I'm going to see how far I can, how, how much I can get caught up on um, over the course of this long Thanksgiving weekend. We shall see. Uh, perhaps- I'm going to tell you, remember the, remember the synopsis I read at one point? It's life, life for a successful therapist in New York begins to unravel on the eve of publishing her first book. Yeah. yeah. I'm reading that now. And that is just so, that is so underselling this entire situation. Yeah. I didn't even remember she was writing a book. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, the Undoing. Highly, highly recommend you dive into this one over Thanksgiving weekend. Maybe not with the family. A little sexy, but so j- just to just to to tie this back back up. Um, th- this show is one that's been released weekly, obviously, as the HBO shows are, and Indeed. potentially benefits. I, I I don't know from from that weekly viewing as you're talking I think about. It has yeah. yeah with the with these twists and the turns. And so the, just the one thing that I wanted to throw out there here about The Queen's Gambit, um, just in comparison to some of these shows that we like to savor, 
I watched the first six episodes of Queen's Gambit in um, roughly like a span of five days or so. And man, it, it was like it was like a high. Like they talk about like a runner's high. Like you're just uh-huh. hitting those endorphins, right? And this was a show where and we talk about this sometimes that I, it was just a world I wanted to live in. Like, like I'm, I'm listening to sixties music on my Spotify, man. Like I'm, I'm, I, I, I can't, you, you can't, you can't take Santana's Oye Como Va away from me at this point. Like I, I, no, I'm, I'm playing, I'm playing this shit like 27 times. Um, yeah. and, and you know, I'm the, the style and the, the travel and just like, I just was so immersed in this world I, I, that, that, I, and I was loving every second of it. And then I waited about it just, you know, things happened, life happened took me about a week to get back to the finale. And I think that was a mistake. Really? <laughs> yeah, and it, it I'm not saying you lost that, the like, momentum? I'm not saying that I didn't love the finale or enjoy it or or it and it didn't take away fr- from the spot that this show will have on my overall list either. I'm just saying it the watching this show in relatively quick succession was so fun because you're just on this ride and, yeah. and you know, you're, you're looking over here and it's Mexico city and you're looking over here and it's Vegas. And then you got Beth Harmon and then you got Benny and you got all these guys that are in her life. And then you got her mom and we liked her mom. And then you got Mr. Scheibel. And it's like, I'm just swirling and whirling and, and, and Derling and, and, and I, I don't want to leave this place. Right. And so I think it, it's like, it's like, I didn't finish the ride in time. It's like I got I off. It's like saying. I got off of the ride right before the one last big drop, and that's not the same. You, you get back right. on the ride a day later, and then you just do the one ten second drop. That's don't don't do that. It's just my point is it's interesting how I did it. I did it already though. It's too late. But but you watch the show slower in the first place. I mean a little bit, but really I worked through it in about a week. And then I hit the finale and was like, I'm not ready for this to be over. Basically, so it, is the reason I haven't watched it. it. It's just interesting. And 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 some shows that works. I think my point is is it's it's kind of interesting and cool to see how these how these different networks are kind of like learning to I mean, and they play yeah. they have learned. Netflix has been doing this for a while, but Netflix is specifically making shows or at least trying to that work when you binge them that that make yes. more sense as like you watch all the all seven of these episodes over the course of a week or less whereas HBO is very good at teeing up these episodes that that they want them to simmer for a few days before you come back for the next one yeah it's still the thing that i am most interested to see longer term right because we're still seeing varied approaches to this based on network based on show um, and obviously we've hit a point where we're, we're the very thing we're discussing right now between these two shows, the Queen's Gambit dropped all at once on Netflix, the undoing episodically on HBO and the different ways those played for those two shows. And it, it makes, it begs the question. So what if Queen's Gambit was released episodically on a week by week basis on HBO is, is your theory that it would be less, it would have less buzz than it does as a Netflix hot drop, just um. Uh, yes, I I do. I think that that is accurate, and I that this and, one benefited and, from the bingeability, and further to that, yeah, this one benefited from being able to get past that first episode, which was a great episode. But it may it may it immediately 
lent lent itself to the following two episodes as well. Right. Right. Like 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 really those first three episodes are all one act of the story. As she kind of yeah. like makes her way from the orphanage to being this chess prodigy. That's all one story. Right. You know? And so it's the and just further to this point, if this had been an HBO show, it would have been written a little bit differently and the episodes probably would have been slightly different differently uh constructed yeah i want that's the thing i wonder is if when these shows get picked up here or there do they ever change their strategy or any of the writing or structure based on the release schedule for the network and i'm I'm gonna guess no just be, just because i think that would be a lot but it here's the thing that i am i am wondering at this point like dude I almost think I might have automatically, on purpose, been like, oh, yeah, the undoing super duper, huh? That's tight. Y'all get four weeks in, and if you're still talking about it, I'll jump in. Right, then I binge right. the first five. You know what I mean? So it's <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know if it, I, I, I am so, the jury is still out for me on whether or not it matters. Because both way. I think great shows are great shows. But to your point, there's this weird the way the hype builds is different for the different strategies. And I don't know if The Undoing would have gained the kind of hype it has now had it dropped all in a week and people were just able to burn through it because of its similarities to a lot of other pieces of television. Right. But because right. it has yep. the one episode, now you get to think about it for a week. Here's another one. Think about it for a week. And it does end with these big twist moments that get, that leave you waiting for the next episode that people talk about online and want to bring up with their friends. That's what has has like built the buzz slowly, whereas Queen Gambit, Queen's Gambit was kind of an explosion after it came out, right? Yes, exactly. Out of no, out of nowhere, yes. But then the undoing wasn't so much out of nowhere. It was something we were aware was coming. Week yep. one, everybody's kind of listening. Oh, is anybody going to watch this? Three weeks in was about when I was like, it has become very clear. I'm going to need to see this show. Right. And then over the course of this week, I'm caught up. So yeah, we're and still it's, waiting yeah. to see. Right. And and just to, to kind of wrap up that piece of the conversation, too, you know, we talked about there's the explosion of Queen's Gambit. There's the slow build where, like, maybe reactions are a little bit mixed at first, but then enough people are, like, climbing onto the train to where you finally you get over the hump. But, yeah. but that, like you're saying, that does typically happen with a show that is released weekly. Because then there are other shows, something like uh, like Raised by Wolves, which is on mm-hmm. Apple. And I, I actually, I don't know how exactly they did those drops, right? Um, I'm, I'm not sure if that was a week by week or if it was a few episodes and then week by week, kind of like they did with the boys. But that kind of falls into this third category where it's, that show is in my ear. I, I know that there is talk about it. A lot of our listeners have mentioned it, but it, it hasn't, it hasn't uh, had that because it wasn't an explosion show. It hasn't had that like final push from people that I know watching it, somebody that I trust telling me I have to get in, you know, it ha- or, or, or like that slow build to where people are slowly kind of getting on being like, okay, yes, this is good. Okay. Yes, this is good. Week by week, week by week, that, that fire builds and builds and builds. And then it's like, okay, we're jumping on. We're fine. Like the, then the wave finally crests. Right. So yeah. it's just kind of interesting how these shows, all, all three of which the three that I just mentioned are, are you know, are popular by, by various measures, certainly. Um, but just the way that some of them either, you know, hit that crest and, and, and make it in, in front of your eyes or they, ju- they just kind of don't get that final push and they kind of fall a little bit by the wayside. 
Yeah, and it's a thing like uh, honestly, you know, especially for you know you and I and and with our friends groups and you want to be you want to come to the dinner table, right? With the new show recommendation, like that's you want to be the one bringing up the show if you if you you know if you get lucky or whatever. Now, of course, you pull from that's kind of the way this unfolds for me. It's like. If somebody I trust vouches for some shit, then I will finally jump in. By the way, you asked how this was released. Raised by Wolves was in batches. So they did three on the 3rd of September, two on the 10th, two on the 17th, two on the 24th, and then the finale on October yeah. 1st. So clearly so, nobody has the slightest so a, clue a very, what strategy is best. A, hi- a hybrid approach there. That's interesting. Yeah. So I- I'm telling you, man, it's like that's the thing you and I have started discussing years and years ago about how this, how streaming was going to impact the drop strategies for these new series and we have yet to see really any progress get made beyond like the several different ways that people can do it they're still like it's it's still not really clear which one is most advantageous it kind of depends show by show so yep it does yeah uh, that's another one that's very much on my radar that i forgot to mention last week when we were talking shows that i'm considering and obviously the undoing rose to the top of that very quickly and i'm almost done with it but raised by wolves is certainly on there as well and i'm interested to hear more from those of you who have seen it if you have uh, specific reasons you think we would be interested in it, holler at us on Twitter, social media, et cetera, all the places you you are uh, always holler at Barrett and I. That's kind of all I have to say about the undoing and the Queen's Gambit for the time being, as I have only one episode left of each. Um, yep. And and obviously Barrett hasn't watched the undoing yet. We'll see when and if he gets time to do so. But he's he's kind of you already shared your takes on the Queen's Gambit for the most part. If I have anything further to add after I finish the finale, which I'll just say up yeah, front. No, we can. Um, de- we I'm can only watching because I want to see which guy she ends up with. Like <laughs> at this point, there's like five options, and I want to see which dude or female she ends up with. Um, I mean, you know. And uh, there's a lot of options, so that's really a, the biggest you, you thing. You might for be th- in for a surprise. Hey, can't wait! Can't wait. So if I have anything to say after the finale, I will bring it up. Um, but until then. Do you have do you do you want to try to get through some tidbits and such? I would like I would like that. Yes. Let's do a couple. Let's okay. do some such and tids and bits. Um okay, I'm trying to decide which one I want to start with. Let's let's hmm. start with a let's let's start here. Um just by 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 random happenstance, just by the way that that things have gone the last few weeks, you may have noticed that I'm I'm frequently bringing to these to these um ad-based podcast that I've watched a random movie kind of on in the background while doing something else or just because that's what like, you know, there wasn't enough time to like dive into a TV show. Anyway, this happened again, although I'll admit that we did just kind of end up watching this, even though it was on TV with commercials. Um, By the way, shouts to IFC, which despite being a cable network and running commercials doing the movies, plays them fully uncut and unedited at their full length with no bleeps or bars or anything else. So okay, that was very nice and essential for this movie, which Laura had never seen. Um, but I, I watched essentially the the almost the entire movie. Probably missed the first twenty five minutes of the Wolf of Wall Street this past oh, weekend. Oh, for real? Um, and I, that I was on this- television unedited. On IFC, yes, dude. <laughs> yes. Holy shit, that's some ballsy. Uh, I mean, because they're like doing all of the drugs, and the that movie starts with Leonardo DiCaprio doing cocaine out of a prostitute's ass. It does. Um, yeah. So, I I just wanted to touch on this film because I, I I saw it in theaters, 
and it's been on another cable network. It, it it's aired on a cable network once or twice. I, I want to say like TBS or TNT or something like that. Clearly, with some edits. Um, and, and I've uh, passing through. I've picked up like ten or fifteen minutes of it at a time over the last few years. But this was the this was the the really the second time that I sat down and kind of like watched this film again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and while watching it, I, it struck me one how how excellent this movie is. This is such a good movie from a lot of different standpoints. Oh yeah, but what what it's like is it's like being served a really really rich, amazing French meal, and the portions are too big. <laughs> There's there, it's like overwhelming. Everything is good. Everything is beyond delicious. There's so much butter and garlic and herb, and it's so it's just all so good. And then you get like halfway through the meal, and you're like. This is too much. This is I, I cannot get these plates out of my face, and that's that's obviously on purpose too because that's that's the track that the movie takes as well. They, it kind of reels you in with with the the obvious and, and historic excess of the the late eighties and early nineties, especially as it pertained to Wall Street, and it, and it reels you in and it kind of makes you. It does that thing where you're like, God damn, this is debaucherous, but it looks like so much fun. Like, do and I then, hate uh, these guys or love them? Yeah. Do I hate, right. And then, of course, it it shows you, it shows you what what that's, what that really amounts to, which is pain and suffering. Mis- misery. And mis- misery, yeah. yeah. Um, and so it, that's obviously all on purpose. Um, but I, I, I just had to bring it up because it, it's so, the, the, some of the scenes in this movie are just so wild. And I, and you forget about them if you haven't seen this, but like the plane ride to uh to Jordan's bachelor party is one of the funniest things. I've ever I mean, seen. I can't even I, I I cannot even imagine how filming that went. <laughs> he wakes up like what do you, strapped what do you think by was thirty seatbelts to his chair. Do you, do you think the blood orgy in Event Horizon or the the bachelor party scene on the airplane was harder to film? I bet I bet the bachelor party scene was harder to film because there's like 30 people having sex and doing drugs at the same time on that airplane. And at one point it hits like that slow motion thing where kind of everything has to look really tight at once. Yeah. Blood orgy was just chaos. As we know, our boy didn't even shoot that himself. He like sent in his homeboy to take care of it while he was off shooting another scene. God knows how that went. That pl- Dude, I watched this a couple few months back, beginning of 2020. All right. Um, at one point, several six months ago, let's say, and it's sort of the same reaction. I was like, first of all, I forgot how much fun this movie is. It's just one of the most fun movies ever made. Period, and that's kind of the big takeaway, right? It's not necessarily meant to revel in the behavior of Wall Street. Not all. I mean, I don't think you could argue either way that it damns. It's like it's a little bit of both. Because oh no! You find it, yourself, no! 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 What no. do you mean? It it damns the hell out of it, dude. It, Compared it's to a, what, like it? It's a dude. The, he smokes crack with Jonah Hill at a restaurant. <laughs> and like, tell me that's not the most you've ever wanted to smoke crack in your life. Was watching that scene. It's the most I've ever wanted to smoke crack. I, I, I think that I, I think the I think the real I, like like I said just a second ago. The, I think the point is that it it pushes your mind towards 
thinking that it's all awesome. I mean, like the party in the Hamptons. You could see yourself getting on the, board with yeah, it all. Yeah, and the part, yeah. like the party in the Hamptons looks cool. But then at every point, at every point, even at that party, it's so over the top. It becomes yeah. so like disgusting to a degree, you know? Right. Like it's it, that, that level got, of excess. You, Donnie is so high on the lewds that he's literally whipping it out and jerking off in front of a, a, a house full of people <laughs> because he sees an attractive woman. You know, like like yeah. every like every point, it's like like you said, it's like, do I like these guys? Do does this look fun? And you kind of want to say yes, but then they're they are so like just it's so dirty. It's such a nasty the world worst, that they live in. They're the worst that, people. Yeah, that it is not that 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 by the end of it, you're like, okay, okay, you're right. I don't want this, right? Yeah, I mean, but it's kind of like I already knew. I mean, look, like it's not it's not difficult to to just think through how that life would end, right? Like, it's not shocking to me that dudes who go all in on coke and money end up with the issues that they do. Uh, that's, that's, that's that road, man. But like you said, they serve these, the courses, if you want to call them that, like the first course is like being poor and the desire for wealth. The second course is like gaining wealth. The third course is like spending wealth. The fourth is like, dessert and then the fifth is the prison that you go to after the fact (laughs) and the first four are so fucking good and enjoyable that by the time you get to like sober leo and he's talking about he wants to kill himself and he's miserable drinking these non-alcoholic beers and shit i I don't know you certainly don't feel bad for the guy like i think there are a, a lot of people who judge that and are like well he got to do all of that stuff so fuck it if it ended this way or whatever. But I totally to your point. Yes, it, it. Yes, the movie does do a good job of showing you the dark side of a life of selfishness and excess. What I'm arguing is I don't always know, and this is the same thing I would say with Scarface. Like, if you if you idolize and you um, romanticize that sort of hustle so much. That that's what the movie is about, like your willingness to do anything to gain. Then by the end, when the punishment is, you know, delved out or whatever, like I don't really give a shit. Like I just watched you ball for two hours. Like I'm not the last hour of your life falling apart. I don't know. I don't. I'm not there to learn life lessons necessarily. I mean that that th- Wal- this Wolf is, of Wall Street wise. I, I will say this might be your hottest take ever on this podcast. That I don't know about. Whether or no, not because, Wolf of Wall Street paints it the, negatively the, the, enough? The movies that you're comparing to uh, Blow, Scarface, especially the ones that deal in the in, in the drug trafficking game, uh-huh. they do not go to the lengths to show you that even the fun is, like, horrific. And pain. Well, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Do you know what and I mean? Remember, do you like, know what I mean? Yeah, because, dude, the first scene, one of the first scenes you see... With with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in the helicopter that they almost crash and then he falls into his pool and sets off the whole alarm and like his whole family's fucking awake and everything. Like they do not waste time getting to like look how much of a shitbag mess of a human being this guy is. Like literally one of the first scenes you see is walking out of the house like popping a Xanax, chugging a fucking orange juice mimosa, throwing that over his shoulder, like explaining to you his drug routine just to be able to even get through his day. Yeah, yeah. And but like. 
because of the the way Hollywood works and just the fact that it's a movie and it's for entertainment, it's Leo. Like when he's saying all that stuff, I'm laughing. Like that's it's funny. I don't know why. It shouldn't be. It's sick and sad. <laughs> but like when he's chunking the the mimosa, like that's a cool scene. It's hilarious. Like you're not like, oh, this poor bastard. You're like, oh, can't wait to see the shenanigans this guy gets into for the next two and a half hours, and then it turns out there are quite a bit. But yeah, I'm I, I don't know, man. I, I'm with you. This one was just so so much that I don't know if it ever like even occurred to me that there were real lessons in there. Like it's just such a chaotic, ridiculous movie the entire time that by the end when it is all really sad and you're watching him put his daughter in danger and punch his wife in the stomach and become a total piece of shit scumbag. And we all know the actual Jordan Belfort was obviously a very uh, um, problematic character in his life, right? Like he's been a controversial character for many, many reasons. And this story shows like the links that people will go to to achieve wealth and power and and just the selfishness that was sort of like rotting out the core of corporate America and Wall Street in the late 80s, early 90s, blah, 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 up into more recent times even. And it's just so good, man. You're right. It's like, it's one of those movies that, especially for guys like you, where you're not going to do a three and a half hour Scorsese movie every weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, you catch it once every couple years and you're reminded of its greatness and how insanely fun it was. Which is one of the most fun movies I've ever seen in theaters, even at three plus hours or whatever it was. Yep. Um, and the cast again, just Scorsese's at that point where he can field that cast, A-list cast that blows your mind every time. The cast, much like old school in the movie I talked about last week, so many people pop up that you're like, oh yeah, oh, this guy's in it. Um, but like Thomas Middleditch has a brief cameo, the guy from, from Silicon Valley. Aya Cash, who plays Stormfront on The Boys, is the, is like their main, um, uh, like assistant at the at the offices. Oh yeah. Um, wow, else, dude, you're not wrong. That's crazy. Who else pops up in this? Like they're they're. Oh, uh, coach from Friday Night Lights is the FBI agent. Yep. Um, yep. Obviously, you have the McConaughey cameo, and it, yeah, it's it's really. I mean, there, is- there are a few. A few other names that pop up that I'm like, oh, that's, yeah, hell yeah. That, Let this me guy, read here. This girl. Leonardo DiCaprio, Jonah Hill, Margot Robbie, Matthew McConaughey, Kyle Chandler, Rob Reiner, uh, John Bernthal, John Favreau. Oh, yeah, John um, Favreau. That's, another, that's, that's one of the ones. Yep. I mean, it really is. But, like, I even forget that Bernthal plays Brad. Like, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Every character is an awesome actor or actress from somewhere else, basically. Um, I... Also, le- le- Jonah Hill needs to get back to the- this type of this type of acting. Shea Wiggum Barrett, what the hell? What's he doing? Oh yeah, he's got a really brief brief part. Yep. Yeah, he's he's the boat captain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lot lot of lot of faces in this movie. Ridiculous. Yeah. No, Jonah Hill though. I'm kind of curious some other to st- see. Like, he's good. He's good in Moneyball. He's good in in uh, the Maniac show on Netflix. But this is like this is a next level performance. Yes, he took what sixty thousand dollars or something crazy to do the film. Um, just knowing, you know, obviously this is an opportunity, and it's not so much about the cash on this one. And he destroyed it. He crushed it. He's got the fake teeth. He's one of the funniest, most um, magnetic characters in the uh, over the course of the movie. I don't know that that you could have a better secondary character to Leonardo DiCaprio than what he accomplishes in this movie as sort of his sidekick. 
He makes yep. everything funnier. His stupid life story about how he married his cousin. That I, That's the scene I was going to bring up. That, that when they're sitting so in the bar uh, prior to smoking the crack, him talking about marrying his cousin is ju- is like, that's that's the scene right there. I mean, it is so next level when he's asking him, like, what happens if, like, you know, something goes wrong with him because, you know, you're related or whatever. And he's <laughs> like, oh, we just drive him out to a field and, like, set him free. He's like, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Dude, that's one of the funniest scenes. The movie is incredible. You're not wrong. That's one that if I flip past it, I'm going to give it a little run. It depends on the situation. Probably, again, not one I'm watching with the grandma and the aunts and uncles on Thanksgiving, no, necessarily. Yep. But if I'm looking for a reminder of the type of debauchery that exists out in the world, I do not know a better place to get it than Wolf of Wall Street. In terms of debaucherous movies, it is perhaps, I cannot think of a more debaucherous movie. Um, yes. Uh, and that, just one last note. Gotta say it. Margot Robbie is all time in this film. It, it's, it's, uh, absolutely. absolutely. It's, it's, it's unreal. Uh, the scene with her at the dinner where she says, we're not going to be friends. And then the scene where mommy's not wearing any panties um, <laughs> and she puts her foot famously on Leonardo DiCaprio's forehead is I, I perhaps forgot, the hottest thing I've ever seen in my life. I forgot about the second part of that scene where she's on camera and the security touching herself. <laughs> and he's like, do you see, does Teddy have a little something funny on his eye? Whatever. And then she's like, I do see say hello to Rocco and Steve or whatever their security guys names are. Yeah. That movie's fucked up, but it's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Any other tidbits a, gr- a, gr- a great one to revisit. And also just la- last piece about it. It's often talked about, about how like the departed was Scorsese's kind of lifetime achievement win at the Academy Awards, but uh-huh. really not the movie that, that he should have won for this, th- this, is potentially this movie lost to something else as well, I believe. But I, I think this is a this is a better movie than The Departed. I would say. All, all in all, it is a better it, movie. Yes, m- maybe maybe his best. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure. I mean, obviously uh, there are some heavyweights super... to, to contend with, but it's the scale of this movie is just is just incredible. It is very difficult for me to place because this man's career has spanned so many so many decades at this point. It's very difficult for me to put a newer movie like like The Irishman or like Wolf of Wall Street and to compare it to anything beyond The Departed. Anything before that, I'm not touching. So, like, okay. I can't do Gangs in New York or Casino or uh, Taxi Driver or, like, I'm not going to compare the or, cause, like, because some of these are my favorite, favorite, favorite movies, Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. Like, I cannot... It's almost just like Scorsese gets generational greatness. I, yep. He's got, I got to pick one from each decade or something. Like, I will say, though, that in his, um, out of his most recent catalog, like out of the last 20 years, it's my favorite. It's if, if I put it up against anything else he's made and I would pick it over that. Yep. Because, again, one of the most fun movies I've ever watched. Just chaos the whole time. And drugs and hot people and money. What are you going to do? Um, okay. Uh, moving on here. Did you see, have you heard about this? Hey, have you heard about this? this? Did you see this? Did you see this? What? What? Uh, The Outsider canceled by HBO. I didn't even know we were, we were really digging in for a season two, but, oh yeah, come on, come on, guy. And then they pulled the plug? 
They pulled the plug. But here's what's interesting, because this generally does not happen with HBO shows. This was a this was a, not an HBO Studios or a Warner Network or whatever, Warner Max, whatever you want to call it. Like, this was not their show. MRC right. was the studio behind The Outsider. So right. they are now shopping around season two to other streamers and networks. Oh, which is, wow. Which is, yeah, which is really interesting because... I, I'm pretty positive that this has never happened it, where HBO cancels a show that would get picked up by another network. And this is one that really probably has a great chance of, of doing just that. Yeah, I can't remember an example of that ever they, happening. They do not. They, if, if, if shows can, can go on for more seasons and are popular, this one was, you know, it, uh, it did 2.2 million total viewers across all platforms for the finale, which was an 83% gain. Uh, from the premiere. So, I mean, it doubled its viewership over the course of the first season. That's very impressive. They they, they usually don't let properties like this go. So, uh, pr- pretty surprising. Um, and, and we might be seeing this pop up on a, on a different network. Very interesting because, uh, like, I, I know that there was a point where there was a lot of debate around whether HBO would do a second season. Then Stephen King came out and said that the second season had been written, at least in part, and that the cast and crew were interested in continuing it. And then obviously HBO passed on the second season in November. Um, and here we are. Yeah, I, I, I am betting somebody will have the balls to pick this up because here's the thing about HBO that I sometimes... I'll get the bet, my favorite example ever is Deadwood. That's a, one of the best shows ever made, in my opinion. And that they did such a weird job or a poor job of marketing that I was just never sucked in. And HBO can kind of have these like under the radar. If it's not the main thing they're promoting or one of their top tentpole shows that year, sometimes they just kind of fail to get things the shine they need to succeed. And maybe The Outsider is an example. I mean, like, think about it, man. If you saw that on Netflix, it'd be one of the best things Netflix had made this year. I mean... If they can find a network where it makes more sense or, or, or somebody that can, you know, give it a place to grow from there, I would absolutely watch a season two of this. I'm curious to see where it goes from here. I also do not trust Stephen King at all. So it wouldn't shock me if he turned in a second season and HBO was like, uh, no, nah. yeah, we're okay. Who knows if he tried to introduce like a killer clown that flies down from the sky or some crazy shit. He's always doing nonsense in these books. Yeah, let's so, let's bring let's bring in the space turtle. Why not? Hell, bring him into this one. They're all connected. <laughs> all these Stephen King novels. They're all in the same universe. Bro. Whatever, Stephen King. I miss Ben yeah. Mendelsohn though. Um, yeah. man, that is that is a that is an interesting situation with the outsider. Mm-hmm. And I I kind of now I'm worried. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Anything else? Yeah, I mean, I get the the question is would would you watch a second season if it doesn't have if it's not on HBO? I think it really, truly does depend on which network it's on. Because if it's on, uh, you know, Netflix or Amazon or Hulu, I'm in. If it picks up some fucking bootleg ass place that I got to download another app and figure out my password for 45 minutes, then out. I'm out. Mm-hmm. No, nah, mm-hmm. it's going to be a simplicity thing for me. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, wh- wh- how how long have we run? Do you, uh, do you we're, have we're at a idea? good we're at a good hour. Yeah. Okay. Let me oh, do yeah, one man. more. I'll do it. I'll, I'll do a short one here, and then um, and then we'll push. I do, I do have a, a, a topic, but I'll, I'll save it for another podcast. We've, we've got plenty today. Uh, so just a quick one. Um, I, I mentioned the show Big Sky. Obviously, yes. uh, it, you know, we've, we've taken a, a respite from the drama and the troubles at the Clamstone. 
We have. But uh, Big, Big Sky over there on ABC is carrying on uh, on our behalf, just enjoying those uh, those nighttime stars, just looking mm. up there, oh, yeah. seeing those big, bright constellations, and just knowing that life doesn't get any better than when you are uh, out there under that Big Sky, here in Big Sky Country. Um, so you can go ahead and fast forward if you are planning to watch Big Sky on ABC, because I'm about to spoil something in the first episode. I am not. I'm good. I will stay. Okay. So the first thing about Big Sky is that it comes on after The Bachelorette, right? So after The Bachelorette last night, it just the, the way that the YouTube TV thing works is that it just starts playing right into the show that followed The Bachelorette, which was Big Sky. And so <laughs> um, it starts out by like doing a like, you know, this is its second episode. So it's like it does the little like trailer bubble, like the hype, you know, the hype, the hype thing where it's like, Big Sky, and it's got the quotes from various critics and publications. Yeah, and the funniest that one of the funniest things that I, I that that they put up was that this was a quote from from a critic or a publication. It's like best sh- best broadcast television show of 2020, and so it's hilarious to me that even the networks now are like, yeah, we're we are B Team TV. <laughs> the, this is the best show. On an on a on a network on network yeah. television, <laughs> and that's good enough for us. <laughs> yeah, it's kind but of it's a like weird they, situation. They, they, they don't, they can't even compete. They they just know at this point that they're not competing with the the stuff that's on the streaming networks and and premium cable. And that's that's probably good for them. There's that level of self awareness can do nothing but positive. You know. Yeah. If they sit so there that's and try the- to. That's the first thing. By the way, the the show is not is. I mean, I I wanted to like it. I wanted to I wanted to give network a chance. You know, yeah. that that's that's where I have my roots. That's that I I grew up on a lot of network television, and I was watching a lot of network shows even as recently as as ten years ago. So it's you know I always, you know I, I'm 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 always kind of rooting for one of these shows to like be good. You know what I mean? Look, it's nothing more fun than when the networks hit one out of the park with a random show that you have to watch with commercials. Like, that's great. <laughs> but it just doesn't happen very often. It's not hard. anymore. No. Um, and so, I, you know, I didn't anticipate Big Sky was going to bring that home for me. So, uh, but but here's the big reveal. Now you can really skip if you don't want the first episode spoiler. Okay. Anyways, uh, they went Ned Stark, but they did it in the very first episode of season one. Ryan Phillippe, his character just gets shot in the dome right at the end of episode one. He is gone. He is not on this television show. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. So the Felipe Renaissance that I spoke to ended up just being a one episode bullet to the brain? It's a, it's a one episode teaser. And this was apparently like he, he didn't want to commit to a network television show because of, quote, some upcoming film projects. And uh-huh. he li- he liked the idea of kind of flipping the script here. And being like, oh, Ryan Phillippe back on network television. Like, here's this big show that he's that he's like, you know, starring in and leading. And it's going to be his 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 return to the small screen. And like, oh, there's a lot of buzz about this one. And then, boom, he's actually only on it for one episode. And and that's that. So kind of the Jason Bateman thing with uh, with The Outsider. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Way, except, for that that. Ba- except for the Bateman is like directing and, and tied to the production and, and all of that. So. And still Felipe still a... asso- associated with the show in in some major ways wild but yeah so so big sky really uh really digging into the playbook trying its best to 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 be 
to be a to a dramatic serialized hit television show. Just hard hard to pull off, man. Really yeah. hard to pull off. You know, I was uh, thinking about watching the finale for Queen's Gambit or potentially even the finale for The Undoing after we finish recording today, but I think it's become clear that my place is Big Sky. Yeah, I need place. to just walk out under that big Montana sky and stare up at it and just fucking stare up enjoy, at it, enjoy Ryan yourself. Felipe for an episode and let it let just it wash it. over me. Enjoy that horizon, those beautiful big sky sunsets. Doesn't get any better than that, Ross. Um, la- last piece on on there on the network dramas. I I over the course of the pandemic, I've still been taking some auditions, all of which I, I record in my home now. And so they're all via co- Zoom or whatever. Uh, I, I mean, n- not via Zoom. No, that. You're oh, you not, send uh, in a tape. Th- that does happen if you get like a callback or something like that. But okay. um, for submissions, you're recording and just submitting. Got the tape, you. Okay. Basically. Okay. Okay. But so uh, as it happens, I've gotten to read a couple of the scripts uh, tied to some upcoming network dramas and I, I can't say the names but um th- the writing is is not good it, it it is abundantly clear that the good writers have all hero. abandoned shit and are taking deals with hbo and netflix and, Hulu uh. and fx and amc and and all of the above because it, it it's it's just weird. It's like, man, just because you're broadcast, just because you're network television, doesn't mean that your writing has to be cheesy and whack. Yes, you know, weird... but they do it. But but they do it anyway. Yeah, it's something I've noticed, man. Is that, um, you know, having spoken to a couple of different TV writers over the course of my career, it's it's almost like that is the style, and people yes. feel obligated right. to replicate it. Yep. Like, well, it works on Big Bang Theory. Let's fucking crank out the cheesy comedy. And it's like, uh, I'm not sure that's how that plays, friendo. But I, yeah, I don't know what that is, man. It's like, it's a... And I, you know, I don't know if it's because they, they like can't use curse words or what, but I think it's like you're saying. I, I really think it's just more like the style that has been approved. And that that's now how all the writers think that. And I, I mean, it also feels like network writers are just they they are cashing checks. You know what I mean? Like they are. Right. Oh, I got that NBC money. Let me just turn in this schlock. It doesn't. You know. I, I don't know. It's it's just interesting. And there's just just a lot of hacks too, man. There's just a lot of really bad writers who are trying to be writers, like at all times. That's always been the case. And it's just, I mean, that look like you said, man. The best talent is going to go to the best networks. They're not going to be sitting there writing for fucking Big Sky on ABC with Ryan Felipe making it 20 minutes into the series. You know, I mean, and I and I say that and this is a David E. Kelly show. I I don't know how much he wrote the first the first uh, script. But so Big Sky is a David E. Kelly show. Yeah. So in in, in that in that sense, it's almost like that, that that almost just proves right that this is a style that the networks want. Yes. Because this guy can this guy can write the undoing in Big Little Lies, but then he can write Big Sky too. And I, I'm actually I, I don't have all my facts in a row here, so I don't know I don't know if he actually wrote the script for Big Sky for the Big Sky pilot, or if he wrote the scripts for the Undoing, or what what his role in as far as production versus writing or both was on on these shows. Um, Are we just a David E. Kelly podcast? We're just we're a David E. Kelly podcast now. Yeah. 
I'm trying to find if he wrote the because it's obviously based on Big Sky's based on a novel, right? Um, and it says he produced it. Not seeing if it was rewritten by him or who did the screenplay yet. But I didn't realize David E. Kelly was in front of that one too. This guy must yeah, be yeah, man. The guy, the guy struggling is financially. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. the impression. I anyway, heard. just dead broke, you know. That is, uh, that's all I got for you, man. All right. Well, how about that? How about that? Barrett and I are trying to figure out, based on Thanksgiving and some scheduling conflicts, um, when we're going to be able to get y'all's ad-free mollusk militia hotline call extravaganza done this week for uh, patreon.com slash Ross Boland podcast. But I promise you this, you will have it before the month is out. That much, I assure you, for everybody on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. We appreciate y'all. Um, so be sure to uh, get in there because Mollusk Militia, this is your last episode ever before we start The Sopranos. I mean, it's not the end of the Mollusk Militia, obviously. And again, keep your eyes on the Patreon for, I've, I've started to update the tiers so that they make sense, but like I can't put the stuff in for next month until next month is actually available, really until this episode is up. So jump if you're, if you're not in the Mollusk Militia or the Crustacean Nation, where you will be getting the December 1st, uh, or December, first week of December, season one, episode one of The Sopranos coverage in podcast form. Just keep an eye on the Patreon, and you'll see the tears pop up in the coming days over the course of the weekend, etc. Um, but next week is it. Like, after the 30th, Monday, we will be in December, and we will be officially in the month that we start covering The Sopranos on Patreon. For those of you who are unaware... Barrett and I are going to be doing ad-free, spoiler-free discussion of every single episode of The Sopranos, starting with Season 1, Episode 1, the first week of December on Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. Barrett has never seen it. I've seen it like six or seven times through. We are very, very excited for this next era of uh, Oysters, Clams, and Cockles and taking things into the future. Obviously, on our ad-based programming that you're listening to now that comes out every week, we have uh, made some uh, strategic changes, excuse me, to... Make the show more accessible and enjoyable for all of you on a week-to-week basis. Also very excited about those moves moving into 2021. Thank you all for being here today. That will do it for our episode, produced by Mariah Gossett and Mike Moody Garcia of Permanent Record Studios in Austin, Texas. Huge thanks to our sponsor today, Echelon. Hit echelonfit.com slash dragon to try any Echelon fitness equipment at home for 30 days. And if you already have an Echelon, then you can support us directly by going to patreon.com slash oystersclamscockles, as we said. Mollusk Militia, your hotline call extravaganza is coming uh, at some point in the next few days. And then it begins, The Sopranos, in December, right there on Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. Follow us on social media. We're on Instagram at Oysters, Clams, Cockles. On Twitter at Clams and Cockles. Facebook.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles for updates on uh, the latest and greatest from the podcast and, and what Barrett and I are watching, looking forward to. Or feel like uh, talking about at the time. You can find all that on social hey, media. Am I going to see some guys hanging out at a meat store in episode one? Almost, almost certainly, man. Almost. Are they going to hang out at a meat store? A butcher shop, yeah. A butcher shop, okay. Lots of butcher shops. People are getting gotten butcher shops constantly. Watching The Sopranos is the thing that taught me: never go in a butcher shop ever for any reason. You will okay. get got. You will get got. That's where you get. That's where you get butchered. You get uh, whacked off, as you'll learn about these phrases. <laughs> They're mafia phrases. Yeah. Ma- mafia do they, terms. Do they say forget about it? Forget about it. <laughs> uh, you can follow me, Ross Bolin, on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at WRBolin. I'm, li- I'm live on twitch.tv slash boss rolling a few times a week. Mr. Dudley, where can we follow you on social media? Hit me up at Barrett Dudley on Twitter 
and on Instagram. Yeah. Those are the only two social media. Oh, that's good. Good yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank y'all again for joining us this week. Y'all are great. Uh, thanks for bearing with us as we recorded remotely to try to uh, keep everybody safe in our in our production team. And um, y'all are incredible. Have a great, great, happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you afterwards if you're in the Mollusk Militia. And if not, we'll see you in next week or in December for the Sopranos rewatch or watch for a lot of you. Very exciting times. Huzzah. Stay safe out there. And until our next helping, adios muchachos. Very nice.